0: Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Prince Khaled bin Salman may not have planned it that way, but the timing of his visit to Moscow last week and message to Washington resounded loud and clear. The Saudi Deputy Defense Minister was signaling by not postponing the visit, that he was trying to hedge the kingdom's bets by signing a defense cooperation agreement with Russia as the United States fumbled to evacuate thousands from Afghanistan after Kabul was captured by the Taliban. Saudi Arabia would have wanted to be seen to be hedging its bets with and without the US debacle. The kingdom moreover realizes that Russia will exploit opportunities created by the fiasco but is neither willing nor capable to replace the United States as the Gulf security guarantor. Nevertheless, Saudi Arabia likely wants to capitalize on jitters in the United States, as Washington tries to get a grip on what went wrong and come to terms with the fact that the Central Asian country will again be governed by the very religious militants it ousted from power 20 years ago because they allowed al-Qaeda to plan its 9-11 attacks from Afghanistan. Al-Qaeda, alongside various other militant groups, still has a presence in Afghanistan. The Taliban insists that no one will be allowed to operate cross-border or plan or launch attacks on other countries from Afghan soil. Yet the willingness to exploit U.S. discomfort may also signal jitters in Riyadh, the U.S. withdrawal raises quen- questions about U.S. reliability when it comes to the defense of the kingdom and the Gulf, undermines confidence in U.S. negotiation of a revival of the Iranian nuclear accord if and when talks start again, and raises the specter of Afghanistan becoming a battlefield in the rivalry between Saudi Arabia and Iran, despite both sides seeking to dial down tensions. Middle East scholar Neil Killiam argues that Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps has increased its influence among the Taliban at the expense of the Saudis who backed away from the group in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. The kingdom and the Taliban's paths further diverged with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman liberalizing once shared ultra-conservative social mores while Afghanistan appears set to reintroduce them. The Taliban leadership will likely begin a campaign to challenge the legitimacy of the al-Saud and appeal directly to the Saudi population to challenge the ruling family's authority. At the same time, the Saudi leadership will be keen to align policy with the US and its Western partners and will follow their lead in establishing diplomatic relations with the new Afghan government and providing aid to the country's population, Mr. Kiliam predicted. Mr. Kiliam's analysis assumes that reduced Saudi interaction and closer Iranian ties with the Taliban means that the group's inclinations would lean more towards Tehran than Riyadh. In a similar vein, some analysts have noted that Saudi Arabia was absent among the Gulf states that helped the United States and European countries with evacuations from Afghanistan. Instead, it sent its deputy defense minister to Moscow. Others suggest that Saudi Arabia chose to remain on the sidelines and hedge its bets given its past history with the Taliban. Saudi Arabia was until 2001 a major influence among Afghan jihadists that it funded during the war against the Soviets in the 1980s, and only one of three countries to recognize the Taliban government when it first gained power in 1996. 15 of the 19 perpetrators of the 9-11 attacks were Saudi nationals. By then, Saudi influence had already waned, as was evident in the Taliban's refusal to hand over Osama bin Laden before 9-11. If proven correct, Mr. Kiliam's prediction would amount to a break with the Taliban record of not operating beyond Afghanistan's borders, except Pakistan, even though it tolerates al-Qaeda and others on territory it controls. Moreover, despite being strange bedfellows, the need to accommodate one another is unlikely to persuade the Taliban to do Iran's bidding. In fact, the Taliban may want to steer clear of the Iranian-Saudi rivalry, Particularly if those that believe that US unreliability, as demonstrated in Afghanistan, leaves the kingdom no choice but to escalate the war in Yemen and confront the Islamic Republic more forcefully. We should take a lesson from the events in Afghanistan, and especially from the mistakes that were made there regarding Yemen. This is the time to crush the Houthis without considering the international forces. Giving Israel a free hand regarding the Iranian nuclear issue has become a reasonable option. It seems like Israel's extremist former Prime Minister Netanyahu was right to avoid coordinating with the Biden administration, which he considered weak and failing, said Saudi columnist Safouk al-Shamari, echoing voices of multiple commentators in the Saudi media. Mr. al-Shamari's notions fit into Crown Prince Mohammed's effort to replace the religious core of Saudi identity with hyper-nationalism. They also stroke with thinking among more conservative Israeli analysts and retired military officers. In Mr. al-Shamari's vein, former Israeli Corps and Israel Defense Force Military Colleges commander, Major General Gershon Hakohen, walked away from the US debacle in Afghanistan, warning that for all its overwhelming material and technological superiority, the IDF stands no chance of defeating Israel's Islamist enemies unless its soldiers are driven by a relentless belief in the national cause. By the same token, Major General Yaakov Amidror, a former national security advisor and head of military intelligence research, argued that the U.S. withdrawal would drive home to the Gulf the proposition that an open relationship with Israel is vitally important for their ability to defend themselves. Mr. Amidro went on to say that Israel could not replace the U.S. as the region's security guarantor, but together with Israel, these countries will be able to build a regional scheme that will make it easier for them to contend with various threats by implication Mr. Amidro was urging the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, which last year established diplomatic relations with Israel, to forge closer security cooperation with the Jewish state, and suggesting that Saudi Arabia may in the wake of Afghanistan be more inclined to build formal ties with Israel. While there is little doubt that Prince Mohammed would like to have an open relationship, it is equally possible that the victory of religious militants in Afghanistan will reinforce Saudi hesitancy to cross the Rubicon at the risk of sparking widespread criticism in the Muslim world. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.